Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Good morning. Woo! What a wonderful morning it is. Hi there. I'm Bruce Conover, my wife Marianne and I. We pastor here at Birth and Family Church. This is prayer school. And so we have set apart this time together to just exclusively teach on that subject matter of prayer. As you know, prayer is such a vital link. I mean, we can't be saved without prayer. We can't receive answers. We can't receive help without prayer. And so prayer is such a vital part of our life. And I, I, I think as, as we grow in the things of God and we become more aware of how the kingdom of God operates, we become mindful of the word of God and what he's promised us. And he, he, he shows us how to receive those promises. Prayer gets to be fun because you're, you're working hand in hand with the Lord because he wants his will to be done here on the earth. And he's using you uh, to get it done. So it's awesome. So let's get out our Bibles this morning and uh, let's go ahead and solicit his help. He wants us to grow and so he's given us the Holy Spirit to, to be our teacher, to help illuminate and allow us to receive the Word of God, not simply in, in the way of sense knowledge, but he wants it down in our heart. That's where it becomes uh, available to us to create that which we believe. And that's where he wants the word to be, in our heart. So let's go ahead and and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that this is the day that you have made. And because you made this day, you knew, you anticipated all that we would need today. And in this day, we have all that we need. Provision from you, guidance, protection, health, having our, our needs met, and also You working through us to reach other people for God's kingdom. So we we choose to hear this morning. We're we're not just going to let this help us to pass the time of this day. No, we're here for a divine purpose. We choose to hear your voice. We choose to believe that which you say. We believe to put it down in our heart and look for ways to act upon that word so that we would be a doer thereof. I declare that each person under the sound of my voice this morning has ears that hear. I say the spirit of wisdom and revelation is upon them. And Father, I thank you that because your spirit is upon me, you have anointed me to preach, to to give of the word of God and its substance to the hearer. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's, uh, let's get out our Bibles. We've been talking about a new subject matter that we started last week. And the title of this series is, Lord, teach me to pray. <laughs> teach us to pray. And so going over to Luke 11, Luke the 11th chapter and verse 1, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that most of us are familiar with this, this story, or should I say testimony. And... Jesus was praying, it says, in a certain place. This is verse 1 
Luke 11. And when he stopped, apparently the disciples were observing him pray. They, they were seeing him pray like maybe, well, definitely like no one else they've ever heard pray. You know, sometimes prayer can be done uh, with a religious tone. Prayers made uh, according to man's religion or man's um, configuration of religion. And it, it gets, well, it, it gets off. And it's, it, it certainly can't, God can't anoint that prayer. He can't empower it. So here's a man that's anointed with the Holy Spirit, has a, a relationship with God that knows God. He is God in flesh. And he's praying, and his, his words have life to them. And not only that, they, they see the results of his prayers in the, in the days to come. They see, well, he prayed about that two weeks ago, and here it is, it just happened. And so they're seeing that there's, he's connected. He, he's not just speaking words, he's talking to someone. It's the living God. And the living God is responding to him. And so when they hear and see what Jesus is doing in his prayers, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's essentially what you and I are doing in the next uh, weeks or months to come, is what we're going to take this little capsulized teaching that Jesus gives. It's a, it's a very small uh, and uh, limited view of what prayer is. But it's a, it's a foundation. I, I believe these are foundational building blocks that we can build off of to become more effectual in our prayer life. And so in the same way that they're asking Jesus to teach us to pray, that's what we're doing this morning. We're going to take his response to that question and we're going to look at it and blow it up with other scriptures and allow it to be a, a solid foundation in our life. Now remember, as we said last time, when Jesus responded, notice what they, they asked. They said, teach us to pray. He, he, they didn't say, <clears throat> teach us what to pray. He, didn't, he, he wasn't giving them an example that they should repeat and recite. No, he's beginning to, to tell them how to pray. So he's teaching on the building blocks of prayer. And last week we got into how this prayer, uh, how his, this, this teaching of prayer is made here in Luke chapter 2. Notice he begins to say, our Father. So that's a building block uh, of prayer. That prayer in terms of the New Testament believer, that's you and I. This is after Jesus sat down at the right hand of God the Father. From that moment on, we were to pray to the Father, the Father God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to pray to Him. He says, our Father, which art in heaven. And so that's how prayer begins. And as we've discussed, there are different types and kinds of prayer. I like to look at prayer as tools. And tools are designed to do a, a, a specific uh, purpose, a hammer. Uh, that, that, that's not created to cut wood. No, it's, 
is created to, to pound a nail through a board or to pull a nail out of a board. That's how it was designed. That's how it was engineered. That's why it was created for that particular use. And so are the different types and kinds of prayer. There, there's at least eight to nine, some say even 10, specific different prayers that can be, be prayed for a divine purpose. And so when you see that which you wanna pray for, then you go down to your prayer belt, or we call it a tool belt, and we'd find that, that tool that we needed for that particular job, that, that particular prayer that we need for that job. However, there's a foundation to all these different types of prayer. And we just found the first one. All prayer, regardless of what kind of prayer it is, it is to the Father in Jesus' name. So if you need more information on that, uh, I'm not going to go back over it this morning. You can go to last week's broadcast, Is Lord Teach Us to Pray, one, and it was done last Friday. And you can kind of get caught up on that subject matter. But we're going to go ahead and move on to where Jesus goes from there. And notice that he says in, in this teaching of how to pray, it begins with our Father, which art in heaven. Now look at the next thing that he says. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Now, to you and I, excuse me, to you and I, what is hallowed? <laughs> what, what in the world? Well, understand that this is from the King James Version. The King James Version uh, was written, I think, somewhere in the 1500s where the king at that time of England, who was King James, he, he commissioned the translating of the Bible from the original transcripts. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written primarily in, in Greek and Aramaic. And he grouped uh, scholars together or interpreters together and they would each be given a section of the manuscripts. And I believe there was actually four separate groups that began to translate uh, the New Testament. And that's why same Greek words in some places were translated in an English word. In another place with the same Greek word, it was translated in a different English word. Well, that's because there were different interpreters. For example, uh, many times you'll see in the Gospels where it'll say Holy Ghost, denoting God, the Holy Spirit. And then yet other places it'll say Holy Spirit. Well, it, they're, they're translating the same Greek word pneuma uh, from the Greek, but one group called it ghost and one called it spirit. But, but it's the same person, God, the Holy Spirit. And so understand that they'll use words, hallowed, uh, a word that to us now has lost its use in the English language. And you'll see that a lot of times in the King James. That's why it's, it's best to find other translations alongside of whatever Bible that you're reading and kind of get a fuller picture. That's all the Amplified Bible is. The Amplified Bible is just taking other 
uh, translations and expanding upon certain words and to give more information. And so, uh, you know, I use, in, in my case, the King James because I'm, I'm old school. It's the, it's the translation that I started out with. It's just easier for me to stick with it. Plus, most um, Bible study tools are keyed to the King James. So that's helpful. That may not necessarily be the case today as much as it was back in the day. But here we go. So hallowed is a word that just means holy. Holy is your name. And understand that that is who our God is. Our God is pure. Our God is without sin or transgression. Our God is righteous. Our God is holy. And maybe that's not something that really we're, we're really that much aware of in our culture. Um, and that helps us to, to know what God is like. There are certain things that, that our God is just not capable of doing because then it would violate him being holy and righteous and moral and truthful. Does that make sense? Sometimes we want, we want, we want the Lord to kind of bend, <laughs> bend the rules a little bit for us. And uh, he's, he's not capable. It's not that he's not willing, he's just not capable of doing that because that's not who he is. Therefore, it's not what he does. Hallelujah. So notice now, we're, we're talking about Jesus teaching us how to pray. He showed us to pray to the Father, but now he's, he's, he's beginning to interject our position before the Lord in prayer. And it doesn't matter what kind of prayer you're praying. We're praying to God the Father who is holy, who is righteous, who is moral, who is truthful. And we need to go before him with a sense of reverence. You know, the, 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 here's another word that uh, doesn't make as much sense to us as it did back when this was originally translated. And, and there's many places in Scripture that talks about having a fear of the Lord. And to us, in, our, in the way we would interpret or, or to define what fear means, it means to be afraid, uh, kind of like you'd be afraid of a snake or, uh, you know, afraid of a, a hurricane. But that's not what this word fear means. It's really talking about a reverence, that you acknowledge who God is, and therefore in his presence, and as you are mindful of him, you have to have respect for who he is. And this is what Jesus is trying to, to convey here when he's teaching on prayer. He's saying that when we pray, because remember it says, our Father which art in heaven, your prayers are actually going into the presence of God in that place in which God lived, in, lives and in that place that he's made for us to live when we leave this earth, that place called heaven. Uh, the Bible calls it the sides of the north. There's many different references to that place in which God's throne uh, and temple does exist. 
And so understand that our prayers, when we pray, they don't just stay here. See, we're praying from that which is spiritual, from our heart. So when you pray, those words that you're speaking where your ears are hearing, that which you're saying in your heart being released through those words goes up into the very presence of God. Let's look at this. I want you to go on over to Acts. This scripture that we're about to read has really helped me through the years. Uh, go over to Acts. Hallelujah. We're going to get something today. It's good because he's helping us. He's showing, he's revealing, he's speaking. Hallelujah. Now going over here to chapter 10, and we'll read a little bit. It's mindful for us to understand that prayer is not natural. Prayer <clears throat> is not of this earth. You and I are praying from our heart. For with the heart man believes. And so we're praying for our, from our inner man. Now understand that your spirit is not of this world. That's because you and I have received a heavenly birth. To be born again can be translated to be born from above. Meaning that you received a heavenly birth in your spirit while you were down here on earth. So when you're praying from your spirit, when you're praying from your heart, you're praying from that which was created from heaven. And you're talking to him who is in heaven. See, you've got that which is of a heavenly substance talking to the God of the heavenly substance. Oh, hallelujah. And so when we're praying, our words are going into the very presence of God before his ears. Look at this. This is so cool. So I'm in Acts chapter 10. And it says that there was a certain man. And understand that when the King James says a certain man or a certain place, that's denoting that this actually happened. It's not a parable. It's not a, an example made up to describe something. No, this is an actual event. Just like the, the woman with the issue of blood. It says of her that a certain woman who had uh, an issue of blood 12 years, she's, she, you will meet her in heaven. She is a real person, and that's a real testimony of her relationship with Jesus Christ as her healer. Hallelujah. So here's a certain man in Caesarea, and he's called a Cornelius. I find it very interesting how many places in the Gospels that it talks about Roman citizens and people of, of the Roman Empire that had an awesome relationship with God. That should have told uh, the early church that it was God's plan to encompass all of the world into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. That it wasn't exclusively for the Jews or for the children of Israel. So here's Cornelius. Now look who he is. He is a centurion. So he's, he's a soldier. And he was of the band uh, called the Italian band. So that's talking about where this company of soldiers that he was in charge of came from. They, they came from 
from Italy and now they're down in Jerusalem. And it says that he was a devout man and one that, here's that word, feared God. He wasn't afraid of God. He was reverent of God, meaning that he recognized, he recognized who God is and who he is as a person and how he's under God, that, that God is his master. God is his Lord. God is the one he submitted to. And so he begins to treat uh, his relationship with God in a reverent way, in being mindful of him and understanding his place with God. Oh, hallelujah. Could we use a little bit of that in the church today? Hallelujah. Amen? Now look here. He reverenced God, and, and so did his house or his family follow his example. And it says that, that he gave much alms. It's interesting. Sometimes we have to pay attention to these adjectives in Scripture. Notice that it didn't say he gave alms. No, it denotes an amount. Much. Now, I don't know what much is, but I know that it's not an amount. Much is, is, is portraying a percentage, meaning that I've got this much available to my discretion. I'm going to give this much percent to the Lord. You see, too many times we, we look at amounts. Amounts don't tell the whole, the whole story. Just like the woman, the, the widow, and Jesus was, was there in the synagogue where they were, you know, putting their, their, their tithe and their offering to the Lord. And he was watching all those that were giving. And here comes a woman that gave, I think it was two mites, or could we say two pennies? Well, that's not really that big of an amount, obviously. But notice Jesus' comment. He says that she gave more than anyone else gave that day. Well, the only way that could be possible is that she gave a percentage. And the Bible says she gave all that she had. So what percent did she give? She gave 100%. Now, someone else maybe came along and, and put in $1,000, and some would say, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. But yet this person's a multimillionaire, and that's a very small percentage of what he had access to. So here, this man is being known for giving a large percentage of an alm. An alm is giving to those in need. Uh, I don't like to use the word poor. But those that maybe, for whatever reason, don't have the ability to provide for themselves. And so you're giving to them. We have a, a word that we use, charity, uh, in today's culture. And so that's what he was doing, is that he was giving a percentage of what God had prospered him with. He's giving it to, to those that can't uh, provide for themselves. Okay? And it says that he prayed to God always. Now, understand always means that he was always 
mindful of God. Therefore, he was always in God's presence. And in that presence, his heart was towards God and loved God. And so he, he, it was as if he's praying all the time. He's mindful of God. And of course, he was actually praying a lot. Now look at this. So here Cornelius has a vision. He saw in a vision, and so we don't know what level of vision this was, but he was seeing from his heart in the unseen realm of the spirit. Now sometimes the highest form is an open vision, and that's when all of your physical senses are a part of that vision. And, and you don't know if you're in your body or out of your body. You know, you heard Paul say that a lot, that when he had a vision, he, he says, I don't know if, it, if I was in my body, I don't know if I was out, out of my body. And that's because it was the highest form of vision. A vision, an open vision is, is, is like what you're experiencing right now. You're hearing things here and you're seeing things and you're aware of everything that's going on. Well, you can have a spiritual open vision like that and it's, you are there, so to speak. At least that's the appearance. You're there in the presence of God or whatever he wants you to see or to hear. And so this happened about the ninth hour of the day. And in this vision, he saw an angel of God. Now understand that one of the responsibilities of angels is to give us messages. And sometimes we have received guidance and direction from an angel that we didn't see, but yet spoke to us. And um, we should never take this to an extreme. Just be aware that God uses angels to give us messages. The how he, he gets the message to us is not important. It's what the message says is what's important. Does that make sense? We, we've got to be careful that we don't go off in tangents. And I want to know how this happened. I want to know, and I want to know the details. We, <laughs> you know, when I pick this up and I'm, I'm talking on this phone, it, the technology is not what I should be focusing on and learning about. It's what the person's saying to me on this device. Does that make sense? Praise God for these phones, but I don't need to know how they work for me to enjoy the benefits. Amen. And so here comes this angel bringing a message to Cornelius and he sees it in this vision that God is giving him. And that's so interesting. It, it, when I was going to Bible school, you, you got to understand that when we're spiritual babies, sometimes we, we, we want to put everything in our mouth. <laughs> Have you ever seen a small child crawling on the floor and it's picking up this toy and it's putting it in its mouth and it's, here's some food that's been there for three days. He's putting that in his mouth. And that's how we are as spiritual babies. And sometimes we're looking for things that are spectacular, things that sparkle. And I can remember that after a service, I don't remember if it was a winter Bible seminar or what it was, but there was like a residue of God's presence that was still in the building and people were fellowshipping with one another. And uh, I happened to be standing 
uh, next to a group of, of uh, men. And they were talking, and you know how this is. You're not trying to eavesdrop, but, but you start eavesdropping. <laughs> so I'm there, and I'm hearing their conversation, and, and their conversation was fascinating. This one individual was sharing about an encounter of, uh, that he had with Jesus. And I don't know if it, if it was a revelation, I don't know if it was a vision, but he had an encounter with Jesus. And so he was, he was talking about how this happened. And people in this group of men, one by one would go around asking him questions about the vision and what he saw. And I remember this one man saying, well, what did Jesus look like? What, what was Jesus wearing? What color was his eyes? What color was his hair? And this is what really got me. The man next to him interrupted him and said, I don't want to know about what he looked like. I want to know what he said. Whoo! Man, that helped me. Oh, did that help me. Because we have this tendency to be drawn to that which we think is spectacular. Or to be able to say what, uh, the, the, what was spectacular that we, that we saw. And this man, he could care less what Jesus looked like. He could care less what his natural appearance was. He could care less what clothes he was wearing. He didn't care if he had sandals on or if he was barefoot, if he had blue eyes or he had green eyes. What he wanted to know is what he said. And that's what we need to be drawn to. That's what we need to be attentive to. So here comes this vision. And And so this angel said unto him, Cornelius. Well, right there, that should be awesome. That that angel knew his name. <laughs> and if that angel knew his name, then God knew his name. Woo it didn't matter what the angel looked like. It didn't matter if he had wings or he didn't have wings. It didn't matter what color his eyes were. He said, was a message from God. That's what's important. Now check this out. And so in verse 4, my nose is just itchy this morning. Verse 4. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he recognized that the angel wasn't speaking him. He understood that that angel was a surrogate of God and of the Lord. And the angel said unto him, now you understand that the angel can only say what the Lord commissioned him to say. So this message is coming from the Lord. Your prayers, his what? His prayers and what? His giving, your alms, are come up. Come up to where? Come up to the top of the ceiling? Come up to the top of the roof? Come up to the 
to the top of the sky? No. They've come to heaven. When you and I pray, your prayers go into the very presence of God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And it says they are come up for a memorial before God. Hallelujah. A memorial is something that you establish to honor someone. We, we're known for putting memorials out at grave sites. And many of them not just tell the information about the person's body who was in the grave, but it, it also has some keynote things about <clears throat> what they accomplished. Well, every time you give, every time you pray, you're establishing in the presence of God your thankfulness of what he's done for you. Oh, it's a memorial. It's a tribute to God. Hallelujah. And that's why I believe that those who have gone before us have an inclination of how you're doing, spiritually speaking, not necessarily what you're doing, but how you're doing here on earth. Because if they're in the presence of God worshiping and then here comes your memorial before God, they're going to know that you're spending time with God while you're on the earth doing and being a part of his business on earth. And that's a comfort to them. Remember, the Bible tells us that we're surrounded by, by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, they're not going to witness every detail of our life. They don't care about it. They don't care about your new clothes. They don't care about your new car. They don't care about those things. But they do care about how we're doing spiritually. And so understand that heaven many times will display how you and I are doing. Because if we're praying and if we're giving and if we're serving, that memorial is going to come up before God. And it's going to bless the Lord, it's going to honor the Lord, it's going to worship the Lord. But others in the Lord's presence can also be privy to that. So what's Jesus telling us then? He says, hallowed be thy name. Well, understand that worship or a reverence towards God needs to be a part of our prayer life. It should, should just be in our very DNA to be a worshiper. I, I don't know your story. I only know mine. And... When I received Jesus as my Savior, he, he delivered me from so much of this earth's ways. And because I was in such a poor, fallen state before I received Jesus, I was really astonished and amazed that God would even want me to be a part of him. And so when I received Christ as my Savior... I had a, a thankfulness and an appreciation for God that was just 
so large and so big that, that every time that I would think about me being delivered from, from hell and, and being given the privilege to, to, to be on my way to heaven and to be a new creature, to be forgiven, <coughs> to have the presence of God inside of me, and then to find out that this book is just full of things that he did for me through Jesus Christ that were, for, that were mine for the taking, or I should say the receiving. And every day I'd wake up, and it didn't matter what was going on. I was just happy to be in Jesus. And so that needs to stay with us. That type of attitude and appreciation and thankfulness towards God needs to be a part of our life every day. And that's what Jesus is saying. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy be your name. We're so thankful for you. We worship you. We magnify you. We really shouldn't have to teach that much about worship to the body of Christ. It should be just part of the fabric of who we are. We are worshipers. We're thankful. We have received things that we didn't deserve. We didn't earn. And now as we pray, that has to be mindful. That has to be a part of our thinking. I'm now praying for something that God doesn't have to give to me because I didn't earn it and I didn't deserve it. I'm expecting him to give it to me because of what Christ did for me. It puts prayer in a whole other dimension. Too many times you and I get caught up in thinking that <laughs> we're actually worth something in the presence of God. And let me just get out and say it. You and I bring nothing to the table when we're in the presence of God. We don't. Everything that we have has been a free gift of God's grace that he's given us. And I can't boast about it whatsoever. I can't boast that I'm a new creature. Look what I did. No, it's a gift. And so is answers to prayer. He's not answering my prayer because I'm such a goody two-shoes. He's not responding to me in terms of what I am doing for him. That's just not how it works. He's doing it all for us because of who he is, what his character is. And because he gave us Jesus to represent us and to purchase those things so that he can then freely bestow it upon us. Hallelujah. So understand that worship is to be a part of every prayer that we pray. It doesn't matter what kind or type of prayer is to the Father and is to be done with a worshipful Attitude. It's to be done with a reverence. It's to be done with an appreciation. It's to be done with a thankfulness. We should be thankful that he's actually listening to us when we pray and that our words came up to him in his presence like the words that Cornelius had been praying. Oh, hallelujah. And so I want to close with one verse that will substantiate what we're saying. And go on over to Philippians, chapter 4. Oh, glory to God. 
Philippians chapter 4, and let's go to uh, verse 6. Again, you know, you know this verse of Scripture. You probably know it better than I do. But let's look at it because it'll reveal uh, this truth that Jesus is teaching us as being a foundational component of prayer. It says, be careful for nothing. Again, King James doesn't really say it the way we would say it today. This be careful for nothing is like saying, don't worry about anything. See, worry is all around us. We're living in a fallen world. And it's easy to see things that disturb us, that, that bring concern to us. It's very easy to fall into that realm of worry, anxiety, and even a degree of fearfulness, which can lead to hopelessness. He's saying, don't focus on that. He's saying, be, be, be focused on him and what he promised to do for us. Amen? So don't worry about anything, but in everything that you're tempted to worry about, give it to the Lord by prayer and supplication. So understand that no matter what you're looking at today that's making you go, what if, and how do I, and da 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 it goes on and on and on, we need to pause there we need to find the promise in God's word that says we can have what we're worrying about and we just need to pray to him, to the Father in Jesus' name and give it to him with that air of reverence and thankfulness and appreciation. And guess what? You're going to get it. But notice he tacks on another uh, thing that we do in prayer. He, he says, but give it by prayer and supplication, which are two different kinds of prayer and it says with thanksgiving or I like to use that word or say that word differently I like to like to say it giving thanks with giving thanks not thanksgiving but giving thanks why am I giving thanks to him for something that I'm asking him for because you believe something when you pray Hallelujah. You see, once we are convinced, fully persuaded, that, we, that when we ask God something uh, in prayer, according to the word of God, that first and foremost, he heard our prayer, he's responding to our prayer, and therefore we have what we've asked for. It's very clear there in uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It, it is so clear, it's so crystal. For this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask him anything according to his word, he hears us. And if we know that he's heard us, we know that we have the petitions we've asked of him. So the reason that thanksgiving and a air of worship is in every prayer, because not only do you have access to God when you pray, but he hears you and then gives you what you ask for. Amen. That should get us excited. If, if I pray from a place of worry and a place of fear, then there's going to be no air of thanksgiving or the giving of thanks. 
because I'm so encompassed by what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling, that I don't believe he heard me, and I don't believe he answered me. Because I have the same emotions when I pray, or excuse me, I got the same emotion of, of fear and worry before I pray, during the time I pray, and after I pray. And there's no faith in that. You're not believing that he heard you and you now have it. And that's why a lot of us don't give thanks when we pray. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ouch. You see, prayer has to be done a certain way. It's got to be from our heart. It's got to be from the word of God. And it's got to be from that place that you believe he heard you and you now have it. And therefore, there's a thankfulness. Amen. So look at this. Let's, let, let's, let's read this again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. That's my paraphrase. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, and that's talking about what you're worrying about, what you're being careful or anxious about. But through prayer, give it to the Lord. Right? With thanksgiving or the giving of thanks. There should be that air of thanksgiving every time you do something towards God. Hallelujah. In that way, let your requests, let your prayer needs be made known unto God. Glory to God. And that's what Jesus is, is bringing to our attention, where he's, he's teaching us to pray. You go into his presence, you go in, and you're there before the Father. Now, yeah, you're... you're your body and your spirit are still down here on earth. But you see, when you're praying from your spirit, and those words that you speak from your mouth, they now go in the presence of God. It, didn't, it doesn't just happen for Cornelius. It happens for everybody. That's just the way the kingdom of God is, has been set up. And so you want, in the midst of that prayer and that request, you want to hear a giving of thanks that you're able to give that request to him. You're, you're thankful because you know he's hearing you, hearing you. You're thankful and giving him praise because you know that that prayer is now answered and you have your need met. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, living a life of worship, living a life of praise, Living a life of constantly giving thanks to God. It will hold things in the proper perspective. Number one, it's not you or me that's accomplishing these things. It's Him. And we can be thankful about that. And then also this, thanks, this giving of thanks also helps us to see our place. He's God, and we're not. <laughs> and it's by his mercy and his compassion and his grace and his loving kindness that he's set up this relationship we have with him through Jesus Christ. And then, then yes, he is concerned, and he, he is willing to do these things for us, but he's doing it because you have a relationship with, with Jesus. That's why he's able to do it. And so we, we need to be thankful. We need to be 
having, uh, we, we need to have a knowing that he's the one that's doing all the heavy lifting. We're just a recipient of what he's doing. Amen. And in that, we're blessed. Well, we're going to shut it down uh, for today right there. We'll just, we'll just pick it up uh, next week along this as we allow Jesus to teach us to pray. Uh, let's go ahead and just solidify what we've heard uh, this morning. Let's give him thanks. Father, we are so thankful for the word of God. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how other Christians can live their life without having this book in front of them. I think about all those in India and all those in China. This isn't a common book to have access to. But I'm so thankful that, that, that for whatever reason, you allowed us to be born here in the United States, in a, in a place of the world where, where the Bible is, is freely given, is freely read, is, is freely published, and is freely spoken from our churches and from our pulpits. Oh, we're so thankful that we have the access to the Word of God. And, and we thank you that Jesus is helping us to see the components, the, the foundational building blocks of prayer. We're so thankful that we can become more effectual when we follow his teaching that will open the door for us to learn even more about this great subject of prayer. We thank you for it. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, you are blessed of the Lord. I want you to go somewhere today and be a blessing to somebody. See, you, because you are blessed, you can now bless others. <laughs> That's how it works. So give someone encouragement today. Give somebody an attaboy. Uh, do something that maybe they don't even know that you're doing it for them, like praying for them. Lift them up before the presence of God and allow God to begin ministering to them in a more impactful way. Oh, hallelujah. We love you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.